What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Casual Big Ten Podcast. Today is Monday, October 2nd, 2023. My name is Kent Peterson. I'm the host of this show, and on today's show, we're going to wrap up week five, everything that happened. Who's good? Who's bad? Who blew a game? Who won a game big that they weren't supposed to? Why did all that happen? We'll talk about it on today's show. We'll also look ahead. Let's do that right now. Wednesday, week six, kickstart coming out. And on Friday, as always, Bet Big Brad and Big Wilson will be joining me for the Bet Big episode. Can't wait to talk about next week's line. Some really good matchups coming up next week. We'll be talking about that, like I said, on Wednesday and Friday of this week. But on today's show, the games that just happened. Let's talk about those. And we're going to start with the, I'll call it the 11 a.m. game because that's really what time this game kicked off um, in the morning. And Penn State versus Northwestern. Penn State wins the game 41 to 13, but this was a sleepy game to start for Penn State. They turn it over on the opening kickoff. Nicholas Singleton fumbles it, puts Northwestern immediately in field goal position. And uh, that's exactly what the Wildcats did. They kicked a field goal. They go up 3-0. Penn State has a long drive. They tie it up at three. We're in the first half still. Penn State, ton of pressure from their defense. It seems like every time that Ben Bryant was dropping back for a pass, there was a defensive lineman or a linebacker in his face giving him a lot of pressure or, or getting a sack. Even that happened quite a bit in this game. It felt like Ben Bryant, this has been a theme all year for him. He's going to get sacked a lot. He's got to get rid of the ball quicker. He does not have enough time. Offensive line not providing him a lot of protection, but he does drive him down, gets down to the one yard line and sneaks one in. Northwestern all of a sudden up 10 3. What's happening? What's happening? Where's Penn State at? Here they come. They get a drive for themselves. They get down close. Trey Potts gets his first rushing touchdown of the year. If you remember, a few weeks back, uh, Potts did have a passing touchdown from the running back spot on a halfback pass. So really his second touchdown of the year, but this was his first rushing one. We're all tied at halftime. It's 10-10. You're thinking, you know, you're starting to text your buddies. People are getting alerts like, Northwestern, are they going to do it again? Are they going to uh, pull what they did against Minnesota again? Again? Is this going to happen again? Is Northwestern legit? Mm, not so much. It was all Penn State in the second half. Defense, like I said, for Penn State, just way too suffocating, way too much for Northwestern. They hold Northwestern to three points in the second half, uh, which gives them a final score of 13. And then offensively, hearing so much about how uh, Drew Aller is just not ready. Um, he looks uh, not great in the pocket. He's not passing it great. Listen, they came on the road. They are coming off that big whiteout game. They're in a weird environment. You heard everybody talking about James Franklin. The big story was him not playing music at practice last week. Um, quiet field, quiet Ryan Field. And they score 31 points in the second half. I just don't know why there's so many questions around this Penn State offense. I think they look great. They have three great running backs. They have a couple of really elite receivers, I think. And I think the quarterback play has been good enough that Penn State's uh, season could end 12-0, and just like I predicted before the season started. Um, I think they have enough. I just think they have enough pieces. I think they look great. We'll talk about my power rankings at the end. Um, but just based on what I'm saying, I think you guys know where I'm leaving Penn State this week. All right, our second game, we have Minnesota and Louisiana. Louisiana, I talked about on the Kickstart episode last week, scoring a ton of points in every game. Offense is going to look good, and uh, it started right at the beginning. They scored first in this game. 
back corner touchdown. I don't remember who caught it, but the quarterback's name from Louisiana was Chris, and he was crisp with a P at the end of it during this game. It looked like he was he was throwing the ball really good against Minnesota's defense. I thought he looked great. Um, Kalika Manis ties it with a uh, touchdown pass of his own to Daniel Jackson. Talk about him more in just a second. And then the Raging Cajuns come down. They get a field goal. They're up 10-7. Kalika Manis comes down. Basically like a three-yard quarterback sneak. In the box score, it said two yards. But if you were watching the game, he was really on like the two-and-a-half-yard line. This was a deep quarterback sneak. I don't think Louisiana was expecting it at the time. Um, gets pushed into the end zone. Minnesota takes their first lead. And then right before halftime, Louisiana comes right back down, scores another touchdown. They go up 17-14 to 14 at halftime. And at this moment, I'm thinking, man, Minnesota is just not good. They're just not going to win a lot of games the rest of this year. Second half, they kind of take over. Not as much as Penn State did against Northwestern, but they do kind of take over the game. You have Zach Evans come in. Now, this is the third running back that Minnesota was using in this game, and really the fourth one on their roster with Darius Taylor out this week. You have uh, Sean Tyler. You have Bryce Williams, who's been there for 100 years, it feels like. And then you bring in this guy, Zach Evans, who was redshirting last year. This is his freshman season. He ends up kind of taking the load. 15 attempts, 85 yards, gets the touchdown. Uh, Minnesota goes back up. Tyler Newman steps up again for the Minnesota defense. This is his, he gets an interception, which is his third in two weeks. Do not throw it Tyler Newman's way. Dude is going to pick you off. You need to avoid that. Whoever's playing Minnesota, I haven't even looked at the schedule for next week. Whoever's playing Minnesota next week, do not throw it towards Tyler Newman. They're probably on a bye with me saying whoever they're playing. They're probably on a bye next week. Um, Bryce Williams, like I just talked about, he comes up and ices it in the uh, fourth quarter here. It goes up 28-17. to 17. Ends up kind of being the game-winning touchdown because even though Minnesota scores again, um, so does Louisiana. They get up to 24. And then Daniel Jackson with the final touchdown of the game, he scores again to make it 35-24. to 24. Jackson in this game. He was, he was amazing. Uh, two touchdown passes. He's now fourth in the Big Ten, or actually third, I think, in the Big Ten. Third in the Big Ten. I'm sorry. I'm going to get this right. I wrote it down. He's tied for second in the Big Ten. Four touchdowns is the four I was thinking of. Uh, two of them in this game. Looking like he's the number one receiver for Minnesota right now. Going into the season, and even like a couple weeks ago, you're uh, talking about the Golden Gophers offense, and you're really talking about Corey Crooms as being the guy that uh, Ethan should be targeting. But in this game, it felt like it was all Daniel Jackson. Um, he looked good. And like I said, second in the Big Ten now with four touchdowns. Minnesota gets the win. That's what you want. Louisiana was not a joke team. I said it last week. You're not going to be able to roll over them. You got to play pretty well to beat them. I don't think Minnesota played their A game, but I think they played their B- minus game, and that was just enough to get the... Uh, 11-point win over the Raging Cajuns. All right, third game. Purdue versus Illinois. Um, another game where it was like, a lot of these games, it was like, first half, this is going to seem like it's a really close game. You don't know what's going to happen quite yet. Northwestern Penn State was like that. Minnesota losing at halftime. This game is 16-13 at halftime. Um, I wrote down 16-13. I forgot who was even winning in this game because it was so back and forth at the beginning of the game. It was really playing out exactly how I thought it was going to play out. It felt like, I'm going to look it up while I'm still talking. It felt like everything I was saying last week about this game, two struggling teams, 
offenses that are not playing that well and defensive that ha- defenses that have been really disappointing going up against each other. And that's what the first half felt like. It was Purdue winning 16-13 at halftime, by the way. Um, and then you talk about everything that happened in the second half. Here's the drives for each team in the second half, and then you can figure out who won the game. And you probably already know who won the game, but Illinois, their drives go punt, punt, downs, which means they turn it over on downs, turn it over on downs, punt, touchdown. There's a good one. And then the game's over. So one touchdown in the second half. Purdue, they go touchdown, punt, touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown. So just all Purdue in the second half. The interesting thing for me in this game, it seems like I'm always talking about running backs. I don't know why. It's just a fascinating position for me, and the way that different teams decide to use that position is always interesting to me. Um, Tyrone Tracy, he's the RB1 for them now. I hate to say it because I loved Devin Mockaby last year. I thought he was great. But uh, Tyrone runs the ball with a fierceness that I I have not seen. I think he's, man, am I going to say that? I'm going to sound like Chris Collinsworth right here. I think he's one of the toughest runners in the Big Ten. Like, he runs it so damn hard. Like, like, like his life's on the line when he's got the ball in his hands. That's what it feels like when Tyrone's got the ball. Um, he scores a touchdown. Devin Mockaby does get a touchdown. And then you have Dylan Downing, who I haven't heard a ton of from Purdue. He also gets a rushing touchdown. Those were three of the four touchdowns in the second half for them. And then the interesting thing, another interesting thing for me, I should say, is just the, it goes back to the running back position. How is Purdue controlling the line of scrimmage on this Illinois defense that is just supposed to be good and they have been asked this year? They've just been giving up a lot this year. I just don't understand what's going on with that. Um, 190, 189 total rushing yards for Purdue. Um, at this point in the season, kind of like Minnesota, even though Minnesota won this week, Illinois, this loss right here, just feels like they're dead in the Big Ten West now. To me, and not to get off topic on uh, these games that happen, but to me it just feels like it's Wisconsin or Iowa at this point in the West. I know it got so crazy last year. Some weird things started happening. But Wisconsin's got to be on bye week this week thinking, holy shit, this was the best week we could have had. We didn't even have to play. You know, you have Minnesota looking bad. You have Illinois just like irrelevant defensively and really offensively as well. They haven't looked great this year. Um, Purdue gets a big win. Maybe they're a little worried about them if you're Wisconsin. And then Iowa loses their starting quarterback, which I'm going to talk about more later. So. Wisconsin's got to be like, man, this is this is ours to lose at this point, right? I mean, I could still see Iowa with their good defense, but man, Wisconsin's got to be kind of excited going into this next week. Um, all right, let's go back to the East. We got Maryland versus Indiana. You're gonna you're gonna hear a theme in this in this part of the episode right here, and uh, let's see if you catch on to it. Uh, Ty Felton touchdown seven zero Maryland. Big return for Iowa after that. They get a field goal, and then Maryland gets the ball back. Ty Felton is his name. Let me make sure I'm reading that right. Ty Felton. Yes, another touchdown. Um, 14-3. IU uh, was punting from their own end zone twice, which gave Maryland like great field position the whole game. Um, Tuilea gets a rushing touchdown, 21-3. And then right before halftime, right before halftime, um, there's this wide receiver for Maryland. His name is Ty Felton. I think I'm saying that right. 
Um, he gets another touchdown before halftime. Three touchdowns for Ty Felton. Seven catches, 134 yards, three touchdowns in the first. The, the touchdowns were all in the first half. He did have some catches in the second half. In fact, I think it was right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. He caught a bomb up the left sideline and kind of tripped and fell. I think he might have got his feet caught up with the cornerback uh, a little bit. Almost had his fourth touchdown of the game in the second half. Um, he's got to be offensive player of the week at this point. Um, I think that right before halftime as well, it was 27 to three. Maryland got the ball back in pretty good position and they completed one pass. And then they ran this pattern with like seven seconds to go a crossing pattern. Indiana's in prevent. The wide receiver gets the ball and he comes across the field. He's right on the sideline and decides to try to pick up 10 more yards Instead of just stepping out of bounds, they could have kicked another field goal. Should have been 30-3 to at halftime. I mean, Maryland was on their ass this game. It was over at halftime. Um, it, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter where you're at or, or who they're playing against. I don't think that Indiana is built to score 28 points in the second half against anybody, um, especially Maryland. Especially Maryland. That's not going to happen. And 28 points is what they were going to need in the second half to win this game, and they they were not going to be able to do it. Maryland adds on another touchdown from Tuolia. Um, I already talked about Ty Felton. This is the part I did not uh, did not understand. I know Soresby came in the game because I was kind of not watching the second half because it was already over at halftime. But um, Soresby comes in for Indiana. He throws two touchdowns. I'm I'm thinking that that was against Maryland's second team. Like I said, I wasn't really like focused on the second half. But um, I don't think that there's anything there. I think that uh, Taven Jackson is still the guy at Indiana. I don't think they saw Soresby uh, throw the two touchdowns and they're like, oh, crap, we got a new quarterback now. This guy just threw two touchdowns. I don't think that's the case. I think that uh, Jackson's still the guy. Um, somebody that's not the guy anymore for Indiana, though, his name is Walt Bell. He was the offensive coordinator, and uh, he's in the Big Ten coach's graveyard now because he was let go. Um, offensive line coach Rod Carey is taking over play calling for the foreseeable future. Super interesting. And the only reason why I say this is super interesting is because on Twitter last week, I was watching, somebody posted this video and it was from like a boosters, maybe like a dinner or something where guys that were supporting the pro, I don't know if exactly if it was boosters or just like fans or whatever it was, but they opened the floor for questions from these people, whether it was the boosters or fans or whatever. And this older gentleman gets up there and he ta he's talking straight to Tom Allen. You could just ask the head coach, coach questions. Such a weird concept. I, I, I thought that was very interesting. But the guy says how much he loves Tom Allen. I think that the Indiana fan base still really does like Tom Allen. And he says, um, you know, this is a business. This is the fan, by the way, or the booster, whoever it is. This is a business and we're not happy with the play calling. And we love you, Tom. We want you to be successful, but this is a business. And that happened last week. It's almost as if that guy, he had to have been a booster, was was having an impact on what Tom Allen was thinking or what Indiana's, um, I don't know, higher-ups were thinking because I don't know who actually officially makes that decision. I have to imagine Tom Allen had a big hand in it. But uh, nonetheless, like I said, Walt Bell out. I think that Indiana's still okay they're just they just can't put it together is it all the play calling I don't think so I don't think so I think their defense got a little bit too much hype after the Ohio State game when Ohio State only scored 20 
and they were starting a quarterback for the first time. I think it was more Ohio State's um, trying to figure stuff out in that first game than it was Indiana's defense. So Maryland kind of puts them in their place, puts them in check. They're going to be towards the bottom of the Big Ten East, but there's a couple other teams that are fighting them for that position as well. Uh, one of those teams is not going to be Michigan, though. They're at the top of the Big Ten East and arguably the best team in the Big Ten. Uh, I say arguably. A lot of people like to argue with me on Twitter about it. That's for sure. Uh, first half. This this game was this game. I don't even know if I have to go through all of this, but some things that uh, stood out to me. Um, like I said, Michigan all over Nebraska. This was embarrassing for Nebraska. It had to have been at home. Roman Wilson. Roman Wilson. Roman Wilson. He should be Big Wilson. He should be B1G Wilson because he is leading the B1G in touchdown receptions by a lot. He's in first place. He's got eight. I talked about, uh, who was it? Uh, Daniel Jackson's in second place with four. So he's got twice as many touchdown receptions than anyone in the Big Ten right now. Um, defense looks great. I mean, what else, what else are you going to say about uh, Michigan's defense other than that they look fantastic? Having given up 10 points in a game yet this year, haven't had uh, anyone I heard on a podcast. In fact, I'll shout him out. The Big Ten huddle I was listening to this morning, which I try not to do before I record, but uh, one of the guys on that episode said that they haven't had an and goal situation yet this year, meaning the opponents haven't been inside the 10-yard line on them at all the whole year. Five games? Ridiculous. Um, McCarthy has a beautiful rushing touchdown in this game. He's got uh, two touchdown passes to Roman Wilson in this game. Um, 28-0 at halftime. Michigan rushes for 249 yards against what I talked about last week, a good rushing defense. Talked about it twice last week. We were talking about on Friday even that uh, is is Jim Harbaugh going to be stubborn and just run the ball? Well, he was, but I don't think it's because he was stubborn. I think it's because they were having so much success on the ground. Uh, Blake Corum. Ho-hum, another touchdown for him. Um, that put him up 35-0. to zero. Final score was 45-7. to seven. Michigan just rolls Nebraska. And uh, Nebraska, not, not relevant. Not relevant in the Big Ten West. Not relevant in the Big Ten anymore. Um, there's a lot of teams I'm writing off right now. And I think that we, we've seen enough. I think we have enough evidence at this point in the year to write off teams like Nebraska. And uh, I'm going to say Minnesota even. And Indiana, and of course Northwestern at this point, but just they're just not going to be, they're not going to do as well as I thought they were going to do. Nebraska just, uh, they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle, and uh, we'll see how they bounce back next week. All right. The only game I didn't watch this weekend was Rutgers versus Wagner. This is the, I didn't see a single thing on this game. I didn't even rewatch the highlights, um, but I still have some uh, interesting things that I want to point out from this game. First of all, no turnovers. That's impressive, right? College football game, zero, zero turnovers. Um, total yards in this game was Rutgers 437 to Wagner's 106. Rutgers rushes for 268 yards. Um, I also wrote down that Wagner is ass, which I think is appropriate. Um, here's the really interesting thing, though. Rutgers is two wins away from being bowl eligible, which I don't think a lot of people were discussing going into this season. I know that I had some guys on that were talking about maybe Rutgers could be bowl eligible, but even the Rutgers, like the guys that are covering them, I don't think that they really expected this type of start for the season. Uh, four and one right now. Here's the rest of their schedule. I'm pulling it up right now because I want to see where we can find two wins. 
at Wisconsin, Michigan State, that's a win. And at Indiana, there you go. Rutgers is going to be bowl eligible in the next three weeks. That's going to happen. They have Indiana and Michigan State. They're even at Iowa. I think they could win that game. So I think they could win three more games even. I think they could get to seven wins at this point. Um, going into the year, their over-under was three and a half. They're already over that. I think that's the first team that uh, their over-under has been decided already. So uh, Rutgers playing good. I'm I'm pretty shocked by how good they're playing. Um, and like I said, excited to see them in a bowl because I think it's almost uh, I think it's almost a guarantee at this point that Rutgers is going to be bowling. You heard it here first, I guess. I don't know. Maybe someone else has already said that. Who knows? All right. Our last game of the week was the game of the week. Um, and it really was the game of the week, honestly. If you if you like Big Ten football, then you had a blast watching this game. And I certainly did. Shout out my boy Tommy Hook. I went over to his place on Saturday night, uh, caught the tail end of the 330 games, and then we watched this game in its entirety. And it was, it was, we had so much fun watching this game. Um, it was the closest game in the Big Ten this week. Minnesota won by 11, but Iowa wins by 10, 26 to 16. These teams offensively are really tough to watch. And like I said, unless you really love Big Ten football, this was not a fun game to watch. And we had two TVs, me and Tommy, we had two TVs, and we're watching Tennessee and uh, South Carolina, and we're watching Michigan State and Iowa. And man, it looked like we were watching two different sports because I think there was over 60 points in the uh, Tennessee-South Carolina game. And uh, just the shit show that this game was on the other TV. Um, here's the storylines from this game. Cade McNamara, uh, thoughts and prayers. He twists his knee coming out of the end zone. Almost got a safety on this play. Non-contact injury. I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure he tore his ACL because he was back. I think he went back to the locker room even, and then he came back out on crutches the rest of this game. And uh, there's a clip that was going around where he was talking to one of the Michigan State defensive backs after the game. And you can audibly hear him say, I effed my knee. So I don't think that we're going to see Kate again this season. Again, I don't think the report has been out exactly what happened, but my guess is was his ACL just twisted it non-contact, like I said, and that sucks for them. Um, Deacon Hill comes in, nothing changed. I don't think that if uh, and like I said, I wish all the all best wishes for Cade. I hope he gets healthy and gets to play again. Um, but when you're just looking at a football perspective, Deacon Hill and Cade McNamara, I don't think that I think this game plays out the same way either. Which whoever got whichever guy's in, I'll try to say that sentence correctly. Whichever guy was in this game, I think it's still going to be 26-16. Iowa wins the game by ten. Um, really the only impressive guy in this game to me was Eric all jr. The Michigan state defense had a terrible, terribly hard time guarding him. Um, he got the only offensive touchdown in the game. Uh, here's how it played out. Michigan state right before halftime. I'm going to talk about mainly the second half, but right before halftime, this has to be mentioned. Kim, was it Zach Kim? It's not Noah Kim. He's the quarterback. Kim. What was his first name? We looked it up. I forgot what it was because uh, I thought it was interesting. He had the same last name. 58-yard field goal right before halftime at Kinnick Stadium. That is a record. Longest field goal ever kicked at that stadium. Um, and then the second half starts. Iowa fumbles. 
Michigan State runs it back. Now they're winning 16-10. to And at that point, a six-point lead felt insurmountable for the Hawkeyes. But they come down a few drives later, kick a field goal. Now they're within three. Just under four minutes left in the third quarter. Michigan State had a chance to go back up six. They miss a 50-yarder, doinks off the right, upright. And then Iowa gets the ball back. They hit another field goal that ties the game. This was after Michigan State had a second drive that stalled out. And the punter kicked it 15 yards. Iowa was almost instantly in field goal range when they were down by three. And they did exactly that. They kicked the field goal, tied the game up. Um, Michigan State uh, stalls once again at the end of the fourth quarter. This is like seven minutes to go, I think it was. Maybe five minutes to go. They kick it. They punt it. Cooper DeGene gets a 70-yard return for a touchdown, which ended up being the game winner. Um, Michigan State still had plenty of time to go down and tie this game up with a touchdown, which seemed impossible. Really, realistically, I mean, I'm not even kidding about this. A touchdown drive in this game seemed like the most impossible thing that could ever happen for either of these teams. It only happened once, the whole game. But uh, like I said, Michigan State gets the ball back. They come back out and fumble. So no shot to tie the game up. Iowa kicks another field goal. They go up 10, and that's how the game ends. Um, Like I said, I thought this game was great to watch. I think that Iowa still sucks. Um, I think Michigan State's the worst team in the Big Ten. Let's bring it up now. It's the power rankings. It's week five. I think I took a, I put the wrong one on here. Let me pull it up. I'm going to pull it up right now. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Stay there. Stay put. Stay put. I'm going to bring up the image. That was week five. Why did I put week four? Week five is the one I want. Here it is. You guys see it now, YouTubers? Not a lot changed really though from week four. Here's the week five power ranking. Sorry about that. Let's start from the bottom and go up. I put Michigan State last. Um, Indiana fans had a problem with that because they think that they're last, which I thought was hilarious that they would want to be last. Like They're like, no one's worse than us. Can't be. This is not possible. We're the worst team. Give us a break. Give us that last ranking. Um, and I might. I might. I mean, they do have to play in a few weeks, so they, they might could be last still. We'll find out here in a couple weeks. I have Illinois 12th. After that embarrassing loss to Purdue, um, Nebraska at 11th, um, embarrassing loss at home to Michigan. I still have Northwestern above Illinois and Nebraska because Northwestern has a Big Ten win. I don't, I'm trying to think. It's only week five. Nebraska doesn't, Illinois doesn't. No Big Ten wins for either of them. So I have to put Northwestern just slightly above them, but realistically i could see i mean that 10 through 14 is rough that is rough i have minnesota ahead of the team that just beat them last week um because they've beaten a better team i think i don't know i don't know i i could have flip flopped northwestern in minnesota but i have minnesota at 9 uh purdue moves up to 8 argument could be made that they're better than iowa even at number 7 And then we have a run of uh, Big Ten East teams with one West team sprinkled in there. I have Rutgers at six. I have the team that I now think is going to win the Big Ten West at number five is Wisconsin. And uh, then I have Maryland. And this is where it gets the the arguments really start. I have Michigan at three, Ohio State at two, and Penn State at one. And here's my reasoning for it, if anyone cares. Uh, Penn State's done the most. I do my power rankings based on what has happened this year. 
not what I think could happen. Do I think that Michigan is the third best team? No. Their defense has been crazy, and I think their offense is putting it together. I think that they're, I mean, they're number two in the country. How could they be three in the Big Ten? To me, what I've been doing all five weeks, I'm basing it off your resume. Michigan, your best win is Nebraska. Okay. Penn State has beaten Illinois, who is, I mean, arguably better than Nebraska right off the rip there. They've also beaten Iowa, who's definitely better than Nebraska. They've also beaten West Virginia, who's now four and one. West Virginia's four and one. They beat them by 20. Penn State did. So the resume to me just looks better for Penn State. In fact, I think Ohio State has a better argument to say that they're number one because they beat the best team that any of the Big Ten teams have played yet in Notre Dame, and they beat them on the road. So I think that I have it right. You guys can let me know in the comments if I have it wrong. Um, either way, I do appreciate everybody watching, appreciate everybody listening. Um, this was the week five wrap-up. As I said, Wednesday we'll be back with the Kickstart episode, and Friday, as always, bet big. Don't place a bet without listening to us. Even though we had a rough week, <laughs> just don't do it. Don't do it. Um, thanks again for everybody that listened. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. Uh, we'll see you guys in the future.